Hello there. Welcome to the Essentials. I'm James, the pastor of the Freedom Moravian Church, and this is my podcast that gives us some space to explore our faith a little bit deeper and to celebrate the hope and the good news that we experience in life. Today I have for you our lessons and our message from Sunday, August 6th. I have no idea how we are in August already, but here we are. Our first lesson came from the book of Genesis, chapter 32, verses 22 through 31. Jacob got up during the night, took his two wives, his two women servants, and his eleven sons and crossed the Jabbok River's shallow water. He took them and everything that belonged to him, and he helped them cross the river. But Jacob stayed apart by himself, and a man wrestled with him until dawn broke. When the man saw that he couldn't defeat Jacob, he grabbed Jacob's thigh and tore a muscle in Jacob's thigh as he wrestled with him. The man said, Let me go because dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I won't let go until you bless me. He said to Jacob, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name won't be Jacob any longer, but Israel, because you struggled with God and with men and won. Jacob also asked and said, tell me your name. But he said, why do you ask for my name? And he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, because I've seen God face to face and my life has been saved. The sun rose as Jacob passed Penuel limping because of his thigh. And turning to our gospel lesson, this week it came from Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. When Jesus heard about John, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. When the crowds learned this, they followed on foot from the cities. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion for them and healed those who were sick. That evening, his disciples came and said to him, This is an isolated place and it's getting late. Let's send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, There's no need to send them away. You give them something to eat. And they replied, We have nothing here except five loaves of bread and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. He ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves of bread and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, and broke the loaves apart and gave them to his disciples. Then the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate until they were full, and they filled twelve baskets with the leftovers. About five thousand men, plus women and children, had eaten. Here ends the reading of our word. This was one of those Sundays where it was hard to see where the lectionary selectors were going as they chose the lessons because 
In the Old Testament, you have Jacob wrestling with God. And in the New Testament, it's Jesus feeding the 5,000. Sometimes the stories can kind of go hand in hand. They relate to each other a little bit. But this was a week where it was hard to pull them together. So we went ahead and talked a little more about Jacob, his time wrestling with God and this new name that he gets. Now, I just came back from a week directing junior camp, which is our camp for third through sixth graders. And our theme this summer for all of our camps was The Amazing Grace, a play on words that connects the very well-known hymn and the popular TV show, The Amazing Race, where contestants travel around the world completing various challenges. One of my friends, Pastor Marion, from the Westside Church in Green Bay, led our program, our activities and lessons that we had in the morning. And she, throughout the week, positioned us on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, the same route taken in the story of the Good Samaritan. And all the while on this road, we learned about loving our neighbor, and we did plenty of challenges to keep the spirit of a race alive. We did relays, transferring water from one bucket to another using just a sponge. We raced each other to see who could bounce three ping pong balls into an egg carton the fastest. And we linked arms in a giant circle trying to pass a hula hoop around the circle while staying connected the whole time. And the competitive spirit was really brewing. But it found a place to truly shine, not during the morning program, during all of those challenges, but during a carpet ball tournament that we held during free time on the last day of camp. Now, we have a carpet ball table here at our church in Freedom. It's in the basement. But if you are unfamiliar with carpet ball, picture a long, narrow pool table with two wells at each end. And you place pool balls in front of you as you stand in front of the well. You place them just on the other side and you take turns rolling the cue ball towards your opponent on the other side of the table trying to knock the balls they've set up into the well sitting in front of them. It's a very simple and fast game, and the kids at camp are totally addicted to it. Mount Morris has two carpet ball tables in the yard behind the main building, and the kids were there every chance they had. Before breakfast, they were there as the sun came up, they were out there during free time. They would sneak a game in between snack and campfire. They were always playing carpet ball. So one of the counselors decided to host a tournament so we could see who the best player at camp would be. So he set up a camper bracket and a staff bracket with the winner of each meeting in the middle to determine who the ultimate champion would be. And after several hard-fought games, it came down to me as the winner on the staff side, not to brag or anything, 
and a camper named Anders. And Anders is a third grader who somehow managed to beat all of the other older kids. This was a showdown for the ages. It was truly a David and Goliath story because I'm 6'2", and Anders might be about four feet tall. Most of the camp lined the table, and they held their breath with every roll. Tension was rising as we went into overtime, and then we went into another overtime, and then another overtime. Finally, Anders knocked my last ball in, and I missed with my final attempt. Junior camp had its carpet ball king. And you should have seen the smile on his face. Not only did he beat the winner of the staff bracket, but he also beat the camp director, which he thought was worth some extra bonus points. So the campers mobbed him. They threw him on their shoulders, carrying him around the yard. And for the rest of camp, Anders didn't exist anymore. That name was long forgotten. Anders had a new name, and he went by the champ. There is that showdown in our Old Testament reading for today, and the result of the showdown, much like Anders' name, changed from Anders to champ. This showdown in the Old Testament has a name change as well. Jacob wrestles with God. He manages to hold his own, so God blesses him and changes his name from Jacob to Israel. From something that meant someone who follows or seizes or circumvents to something that meant he has struggled with God and was able to overcome. And the significance of this scene and this name change is lost unless we know a little bit more about who Jacob is. So he's the son of Isaac. He's the grandson of Abraham, a direct descendant in this family that has been chosen by God. But he's a complicated man, and he has certainly had a complicated relationship with God to this point. From birth, and his twin brother Esau have been set up kind of as rivals, as enemies. It's said that the two of them were fighting in the womb. When they were born, Esau was first, and Jacob came closely behind, clutching the heel of his brother. And the boys would grow up as total opposites. Jacob was loved more by their mother, and Esau was loved more by their father. And eventually, when their father, Isaac, has reached old age, Jacob tricks him. He tricks him into giving him Esau's birthright. And of course, this makes Esau furious. It was the last straw in their relationship crumbling to the ground. So there's conflict in this special family. But Jacob also struggles with his journey walking with God. 
for many years, he had no relationship with God at all. He thought that was something for his father, something for his grandfather, not for him. But finally, God visits him in a dream and promises to bless his family through him, that his descendants are going to make a great nation. But Jacob isn't convinced. He likes the sound of it, but really he demands results. He wants to see it happen before he's willing to profess any belief in this God of his father and grandfather. And it's somewhere in that period of his life that we find him today, still not totally convinced about God. But he's also heard that after years apart, his brother Esau wants to find him. And Esau is ready with 400 men, making Jacob fear for his very life. It's in the middle of the night terrified of what's to come tomorrow, and it's here that Jacob wrestles with the man until daybreak. In this wrestling match, this showdown looks like it's going to be a draw because neither can overpower the other. And then the man Jacob is wrestling with either tears out a muscle in some translations or dislocates his hip in others as he tries to get away. But Jacob keeps a strong grip and won't let go of this man. Jacob demands to be blessed. He refuses to give up in this struggle until he receives the blessing he thinks he deserves. So this man blesses Jacob and changes his name to Israel, meaning he has struggled with God and he has been triumphant. And this wouldn't just change his name, but it would change his entire life. In the morning, Esau would forgive him for robbing him of his birthright. They'd restore their broken relationship. Jacob would have many children who would be the 12 founding tribes of the nation of Israel. And he would follow God's leading to various places in the Middle East. He is a pillar of the faiths of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam today. It's this complicated figure, this once trickster and deceiver, he turns it all around because he got into a wrestling match with God, and he refused to let go until God blessed him. His faith was renewed, his purpose was changed. Because he clung to God and demanded a blessing. It makes me wonder if we could be so bold in our relationship with God. To have our imperfections, as Jacob did. To have our doubts, which he had plenty. Or to have a troubled past. And then to not turn away and give up, but to see God there in the struggle with us. And then to know that we have the permission to demand an answer from God. Demand a path to be laid out in front of us. Demand a blessing from God. It's strange to think about. 
demanding something from God when we feel like we should be grateful for everything we have. But maybe it's when we struggle with our faith or when we struggle with ourselves and who we are, when we confront those issues, the tensions, the brokenness in our lives, when we truly wrestle with those things instead of avoid them. Maybe that's when we see God face to face. When we hang on to God and refuse to let go, no matter how challenging things are. Then we find out who God wants us to be. Who God needs us to be. So for whatever you might be struggling with in this life, consider where God is in that struggle. And then don't give up. Grab a hold of God. Hang on through the twists and the turns, through the ups and downs. And make the demands that you have known. Your demands for clarity, for purpose, for direction. Tell God what you need and refuse to let go until you get it. Because sometimes we walk with God. Other times we fight with God. No matter what we do, though, we can't let go. And when you make it through the dark night and morning finally comes, when you find yourself clinging to God as a new day rises in front of you, you'll see the plans that God has for you, and you'll see them in a new light. And then as you embrace who God needs you to be, you'll be ready for the plans God has for you. Amen. Well, I appreciate you listening to another episode. You can find out more about the church I serve, the Freedom Moravian Church. You can find our website. You can follow us on Facebook. You can even worship with us on YouTube. Or if you'd like to know about Moravians around the world, work. So be well. Thank you again for stopping by. And I will catch you next time.